0: rich people always
1: flying off somewhere hey everyone welcome to the vegan vanguard it's mexi
2: and maureen
1: and we hated our previous (laughs) intro we've hated it since the start
2: since day one since there's not one day when i have enjoyed saying that intro
1: And I don't think that, honestly, if we're being honest, that there's been a single day that the listeners enjoyed listening to that <laughs> intro. So it's just yeah. so bad.
0: What were we thinking? Yeah, I
1: don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, bear with us as we come up with a new intro. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe listeners yeah. have some advice. Yeah, you can pitch in some, some thoughts, suggestions.
2: Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I'm happy we will never be saying that again. No, never. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Fear not. So yeah, today we're going to talk a bit about our experiences as creators on YouTube and uh, as a podcast creators and just, I guess, generally in online activist spaces.
2: Totally. And as also people who have somewhat of an online presence in activist Mm -hmm. leftist spaces, but who are considered, like, total freaks in their dating <laughs> life. <laughs> you know, you're like, I swear to God, there are some people who think like me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like when I'm online or when I'm interacting in those spaces, I feel that a lot of people are. But then when I go out into the real world, I almost feel embarrassed about my channel or very insecure mm-hmm. about just yeah
1: but no exactly so yeah I I feel like this will be relevant for if you are a creator of some kind or even just for people who are part of the online leftist community the online vegan community who are trying to you know put information out there and be vulnerable and and face pushback and trying to create change Mm -hmm. and I think these are challenges that A lot of us face and uh yeah i think it'd be good to talk about them and then how we personally try to overcome them and try to build a warmer sense of community and uh and you know purpose Mm -hmm. for what we're doing
2: Mm -hmm. yeah and how on some days it's easier than others i know that today we had another episode planned up until about midday and (laughs) then we were just talking back and forth on whatsapp and just had so many feelings that we wanted to discuss. And so we decided to, at the last minute, switch this episode topic. So it's definitely going to (laughs) be unplanned (laughs) and unscripted.
1: But yeah, and we both had like a pretty difficult week. So we just kind of felt this would be a great way to (laughs) pick ourselves up and hopefully pick up some of the listeners who are also feeling this way. Because I do get a lot of messages from people who are – similarly frustrated and facing similar challenges in these online activist spaces. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And at least my difficulty in wanting to put out content that is more vulnerable and that does address these topics more and that shows that I am a multidimensional complex person who also can be really funny and silly and not serious and unscripted, but then also feeling like Maybe the best way to present this information is to kind of give people the cold, hard facts. And also, I certainly get less criticism when I'm doing that or the criticism is less personal. So it's Mm -hmm. a bit easier to handle because then you attract people who just disagree with your political views. And I think that that's just easier to take than someone who's criticizing, you know, your speech habits, which we'll talk Mm -hmm. about later. Or, you know, something about like your personal life. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: But I'm constantly – I'm constantly having existential doubt about, like, where to draw that line.
0: hmm
2: Yeah. And – yeah. And going back and forth on it. And I know that it's something that you experienced too, Maxi, and notably recently with your Q&A video. Yes.
1: Yeah. I was – when I filmed that video, I – did not want to post it. I hated it for many, many days. And I wanted to refilm it. And finally, I was just like, you know, what? it took me two hours or, you know, a long time to film this. So I'm not going to refilm it. I'm just going to put it up.
0: Mm -hmm. But
1: I was super self-conscious about it. And yeah, it's a hard line. I mean, I, I do want to get on there and bring myself to the channel and just feel like I'm totally being myself and being a goof and laughing and joking and like swearing because that's what I do in real life. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of want it to be like off the cuff as if I'm just talking to my friends. But yeah, that does open you up to a lot more criticism. And yeah, I'm not sure if it actually takes away from what you're saying or some people, some people tend to think that it does take Mm -hmm. away from what you're saying. There's a lot of videos on my channel that I feel like going back and just making private and just keeping up my video essays where it's It's, you know, relatively well scripted and everything looks good. Although all of my earlier videos, even if they were video essays, a lot of them I never scripted and I I was talking off the cuff. So
2: Right. You just edit it more.
1: No, I didn't. Like, I just – some of those are are kind of painful to watch for me actually Mm -hmm. because – but hey, I mean, that's where I started, you know, but – but yeah, so I mean one I guess we can talk about the speech stuff now, because that was like one of the main reasons why I was so self-conscious about it, because when I script myself, obviously I don't say the words like and um and you know, and I don't use up talk and, and everything. But this is just how I speak in my regular daily life. Mm-hmm. And so it's just very vulnerable and yeah, it just makes you feel very self-conscious to think that people are going to focus on that. And I know it's not just me that they focus on. Like I was watching uh, ContraPoints interviewed Chelsea Manning and I guess she said, you know, a lot, like, you know. Um, So, so many comments were saying, you know, you know, (sighs) you know, or just like really commenting on that. And I was Mm -hmm. like, fuck guys, like, that's like hurtful for somebody who's, trying to just express themselves. And it's hard to be on camera off the cuff. It's hard to just come up with things and speak in a way that you sound like a brilliant, you know, well put together. Yeah. So anyway, I was very self-conscious about that. And then I did get comments. I always get comments if I'm off the cuff that I say like too much or I say, or I speak in up talk and why it's so ridiculous. It's so terrible. And you know, it's just, it's really difficult to deal with those kind of things because it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's like I can't I can't police the way that I'm talking all the time, or I won't come off as genuine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, or I just things just won't come out right. It'll be really difficult for me to say it. But when I am just being myself, I feel super, super vulnerable to everyone saying, Oh, you say you're saying like too much. It's lame mm-hmm. what you're saying, you say you sound unintelligent. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I mean, how many times have we listened back to the editing of this podcast and oh, yeah. have lamented over how many times we say, like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I mean, the funny thing is that I never notice you saying it when I'm editing the podcast. Mm-hmm. I am so focused on the way that I'm speaking, you know, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I notice it a lot more. And I think, okay, how can even how can people even listen to the messages that I'm delivering? Because all that I can hear is the like.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: But that also is such a projection on my behalf and is also just the way that I speak. And Mm -hmm. when I really focus on the media that I consume that's off the cuff, that people are saying like a lot as well, but I don't ever notice it unless I start focusing on it. Mm -hmm. And then now it's become this weird thing where I think, okay, well, they're saying it a lot. So it must not be that noticeable when I say it. Or conversely, when people don't say it that much – I think, how can they not be saying it? Mm-hmm. How can they never be saying like, because I say like so much and I sound like such an idiot and mm-hmm. yeah.
1: I was watching um, ContraPoints live with Brianna Gray and she just blew me away. She mm-hmm. was saying the most insightful and articulate things. She was not saying like, she was not saying um, I mean, she was, but not that much and I was just floored. I was just like, "How are you talking like that?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, I could never talk like that. Mm. And I don't know. I and I, I get kind of upset. I mean, I commented this to to someone who commented on that Q and A video and pointed out that I was saying like too much. That I, I feel like it's also kind of a gendered thing. I mean, you know, I've, I'm some men use up talk and they say like a lot as well. But I feel like people don't really criticize men who say like um maybe mm-hmm. cuz their voices are lower so even when they do use uptalk it's not as noticeable um but i feel like i don't see a lot of like male <clears throat> male youtube creators getting comments saying why are you saying like so much or why are you saying you know what i mean
2: that's interesting that's interesting because as you're saying that i'm realizing i don't think i've ever you're like yeah they say like and they use uptalk and i'm thinking i don't even know if that's true because I don't even listen to how they talk very much or Mm -hmm. I've never never stopped to listen exactly to the words that they're using and to compare it to my own speech patterns. So you might be right that they use uptalk and that they use like. I literally Mm -hmm. don't know.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, in a lot of videos, People are scripted and they're not saying like or um or you know. But if you catch somebody just saying something off the cuff, then oftentimes they do use right. like or they use up talk sometimes and whatever. But I don't feel like it's as noticeable when men do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there like there are some people that I can think of who do say like a lot and who do use up talk as men, but it sounds more authoritative in their their male voice. So anyway, just this is all to say that I feel like it's kind of a gendered thing where. Um, you know, women are socialized to speak in this way more often, mm-hmm. even though men also are to some extent as well. Um, but then it's just one of those things where we devalue whatever a woman is doing and value whatever a man is doing, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like if men are socialized it's like not a
2: snowballing effect.
1: Right. So if men are socialized not to speak this way, then that's automatically considered the authoritative, intelligent, well-composed way to be speaking. And if women are talking in this other way that they've been to Socialized to speak in, then that is considered unintelligent and flaky and flimsy and you know not sure of yourself and and whatnot.
2: Yeah, you're right. I think it is a self fulfilling prophecy in the sense that perhaps this is a less clear way to talk, but also since women tend to talk that way more than men, it also reifies the fact that this is a like a devalued way of speaking and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. I read this article that was interesting about Uptalk and about vocal fry. that that's what they called it. I think it also stems from the fact that women, whenever they offer some sort of information, do so in a way that's more uncertain. Mm-hmm. So like, I know that's what Uptalk is, right? You raise mm-hmm. the intonation of your voice to make it seem almost like a question mark at the end. So as to make whatever you're saying sound way more tentative. Mm -hmm. But so it's obviously not just a way of speaking. It's also that women tend to use qualifiers, say, you know, say like, do you agree or you know what I mean? Or isn't that true? Um, And that also reminds me of things that I've read, for example, about behaviors, gendered behaviors of students in college classrooms, how they'll raise their hand and say, you know, I'm not really sure what this means. Or like, oh, correct me if this is completely off topic. Or, oh, you can totally disregard what I'm saying, but I kind of have the feeling that da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas men, you know, are more likely to present information in a authoritative or at least matter-of-factual way,
0: mm-hmm. even
2: when they are less sure. Mm-hmm. So it's it's true that... I mean, to speak to what you're saying, and I've never really thought about it that way, but the, our way of speaking, you know, this quote-unquote valley girl way of speaking is also a product of all of that social conditioning. Mm-hmm. So the fact, it's it's almost like broken window policing to point the finger at like uptalk or at these really specific ways that women speak without kind of attacking the larger societal issue of how we deal with information in like a gendered way or how mm-hmm. we devalue certain information when it's coming from from different people
1: yeah i mean like everything you're saying about you know women tend to do this more because they tend to present things in ways that are more um you know they they tend to present things in ways that might be more accommodating to someone else disagreeing with them or they might be presenting things in a way that might be you know less harsh or less offensive to somebody else so that you can have more of of a dialogue. Um, There's problematic aspects to it, for sure, in terms of the way that women are socialized to do that. But then I also think that we don't actually – we don't pay enough attention to the problematic ways that men are socialized to present Mm -hmm. their information because – you know, simply stating your information as if it's an authoritative fact and being argumentative and being like, yes, I know the answer with no humility and no, you know, openness or no thoughts about what the other person might be thinking or feeling when you just slam that information down. You know what I mean? I don't think that that's a very good quality. I think that actually presenting information in a way that is humble and open and creates a, you know, a safe space for dialogue. I think that's actually a positive thing. um, Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, there are insidious reasons why, why we're socialized to be more accommodating. Um, But I just feel like another example is like in academia, there's this whole thing, this whole trend, I guess, that Often journalists will contact academics to give expertise or whatever. They'll say, "We're writing a piece on X, y and Z, and you're an expert in this, so can you answer some questions?" And you know, nine times out of ten, a woman will be like, "Oh, that's not quite my area of expertise or I don't feel yeah. quite I don't feel quite comfortable speaking on that topic. Um, And then they'll be like, okay, well, can you suggest someone who will? And if if they suggest a man to do it, like the man more often than not will, even if it's not their direct area, they'll say, yes, sure. Yes. I can speak on Mm -hmm. that. Right. Um, And so there's all these workshops that they hold to try and get women to be more assertive and to be more, you know, grab the bull by the horns and be like, yes, I am the expert. I will talk Mm -hmm. on that. But I'm like, should we be make should we be trying to socialize women
2: like, like or should we be trying to socialize men to perhaps not accept to speak about things they're not experts on
1: yeah like should we <laughs> like should should our focus be on trying to make mm-hmm. the womanly virtue match the man's because we assume that the being assertive i mean the thing is that in this capitalist system being a patriarch is Beneficial. So of course, if within this value system, it is beneficial for somebody to just say that they are the expert and take all the opportunities and and take, take all the speaking, like take up all the air in the room. But if we're trying to build an alternative kind of, you know, society where, yeah people have integrity and people are actually, um, open and caring and whatever, you know, I, I feel like our, our focus shouldn't always be on socializing the women to try and take on more masculine traits or, or putting down the way that they've been socialized as necessarily something that should be devalued, mm-hmm. um, or just, you know, disregarded. I mean, I, f- I know that it's a, an issue that, you know, women are taught to, maybe question themselves more or be more tentative. But I'm like, but I think men should be taught to be more tentative. I think men should be taught to not necessarily slam down their opinion and be super rigid in their thinking and, um, you know, get very upset if people are challenging them and, you know, to to be kind and polite in, in dialogue, even if it's oppositional. I just... Anyway, this, yeah. that was a whole rant.
2: <laughs> no, that's that's a great, great point. I really agree. What you were saying earlier about how we live in this patriarchal system that's like hyper-capitalist and hyper-competitive. I think it is true that it drives us to want to jump on opportunities and embrace. I mean, because s- turning down an opportunity to, to speak or to gain some followers or to put your voice out there isn't technically good self-branding, right? And we're Mm -hmm. taught that we should always be seeking out more opportunities and seeking ways to get ahead. So automatically deferring to another person would be bad capitalist practice, right? Because Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be adding up the tallies of your resume or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, And there's a sense that if you're turning down some kind of opportunity or if you're deciding to decline an opportunity to speak because you feel like you know your voice is not the most important voice in the conversation you're almost shamed for not being competitive enough or not being the best you know or
0: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah yeah and I also feel like not only is you know the way that women do things sometimes devalued I also get the sense, and I have no proof to back this up because I've never been a man on YouTube, but that I'll get comments so often telling me, you know, that I'm not backing my statements up or that I'm speaking too factually or that I'm not leaving enough room for discussion. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I say things in a pretty, like, kind and open way. And Mm -hmm. I always – I was just speaking to a friend about this, actually – I was telling her about my so I recently released videos on the gender binary and animals, and I almost wanted to qualify my statements more to invite feedback and say, "You know this is my mm-hmm. impression. what do you think i don't I noticed you, know, you doing that is, in the last one. Yeah, well, I actually genuinely did want people's feedback on that particular issue of gendering dairy cows. You will have probably no idea what I'm speaking about if you haven't seen my Go YouTube. Go watch videos. the videos, guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, more on that series later because I have I have a few thoughts that I like want your feedback on Maxi. Mm-hmm. But um, whenever I sometimes I want to present information. Kind of factually, or sort of be categorical about the things that I'm saying because I really do believe them. But then I always have this like little person on my so- shoulder saying, no always remind people that you're open to discussion always (laughs) remind people that you're not exactly sure what you're saying and then sometimes when I do that and I edit the video back I'm like oh I sound really annoying I should have just said the statement but then sometimes Mm -hmm. I say the statements and then I get embarrassed thinking back to my old videos like oh well I was being way too assertive with that argument oh my gosh yeah I think that that's one thing that's really hard also of being on YouTube and tell me if you relate to this but putting out a video and feeling really good about it and then looking, thinking back to it, I never rewatch my old videos. But so many times, I think back to the old videos I made, and I like cringe, or there's something, mm-hmm. or, or like I'm like not proud of them anymore. Or I think, oh, mm-hmm. well, like if people watch this, they're probably gonna think I'm being way too authoritative with this information, and think I'm right. And oh it just makes me sad because that's like never my intention.
1: Oh my gosh, that's I'm like you know? so mad that people are making you feel that way because. I do not get that from you at all. Like, I do not watch your videos and think, oh, she's leaving no room for discussion. I mean, you're presenting all of these amazing theories and and everything. You're explaining it so well. I mean, I don't think you're ever coming across as here's my opinion and that's the end of the conversation. But yeah, no, I, I relate in the sense that definitely a lot of my old videos, I mean, I think We could talk about this as well but that most of my most watched videos are awful like they're Mm -hmm. my worst videos and they have Mm -hmm. so many views and I still get so many people watching them and commenting on them and I'm like oh cringe like please don't watch this video watch my latest videos please you know Mm -hmm. but the reason that I cringe is not that I feel like I sound too authoritative it's that those videos I never really scripted and so I'm swearing Mm -hmm. and I'm saying like and I'm laughing and I'm doing all these things that I feel I feel like that leaves me open to a lot of criticism from a lot of people as well
2: yeah yeah um it's interesting because I've privated so a lot of the videos that I've made in the past I've unlisted not not and I also feel like this is a good, it's a good barometer of how confident I'm feeling at a given moment because sometimes I don't unlist any of my videos and I feel fine about my entire channel and then sometimes I get almost these pings of like, ugh, I don't want to say insecurity because that's not really what it is, but almost feeling like oh there's like too much of myself out there and it feels too vulnerable and so I'll unlist some videos but I've never unlisted videos that are like scripted or that are fact based Mm -hmm. and I think that that's what people don't realize too sometimes is that even like I'm, I'm torn because the videos that you know, take a lot of research and are scripted obviously takes so much time and so much effort, Mm -hmm. but I feel like emotionally that's a lighter load to put out there than the few videos I've made that are unscripted. And so sometimes when I watch YouTubers that are so completely themselves, even though admittedly they probably have spent a fraction of their the time they have working on that video Mm -hmm. sometimes I think wow I don't think I'd even be capable of putting that out there like I do have a level of admiration for people who are super raw and unscripted and apologetic in their videos but then I also am aware of the fact that that's not really what I want to do with my channel and that every time I choose to go down the route of being less academic I end up regretting the decision to put it out there
0: Mm -hmm,
1: absolutely (laughs) I kind of like use my academia
0: (laughs) Yeah, as like I use shield. academia
1: as a shield to totally. yeah, that's definitely my like shame shield where I'm like it's okay, I'll just present the facts and that's it.
2: Yeah, and people can disagree with the fact and they can leave me alone, you mm-hmm. know. Exactly. To screw the facts. Sorry. Yeah. That should have been plural. Um yeah, and and I think that that would be different if no one who I knew in my real life watched my channel.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If it was completely only anonymous people, I don't think I w- would care,
0: mm-hmm. or I
2: know that I wouldn't care because <laughs> I've had daydreams of like, oh, I want to start a new channel and have it be top secret and not followed by anyone who I know. <laughs> but then, how would I even start to get traffic to that channel? Because yeah. if I posted on my other channel, "Hey guys, I made a new yeah, yeah, exactly. private life like <laughs> channel," people would yeah. go and follow that. Also, from my real life. Um Mm -hmm. but it is a line that's really hard to walk when people, when I meet people. And usually I don't talk about the fact that I have a YouTube channel. So I just, you know, talk about my day job, like tutoring students and teaching classes in school. And, um, I sound sort of, sort of boring, to be honest. Like a lot of times it's almost, (laughs) it is also a shield that I use. Like I'll be really matter-of-factual about like just having this job and not really doing anything else. Or, you know, they'll ask me, Mm -hmm. like, hey, what do you do? And so I'll describe this. And obviously, like, YouTube and the podcast is, like, a huge part of my life. And also speaking, you know, the times where I've been able to speak at conferences. But then knowing that the second that I tell people about it, it's really going to open the floodgates for – I mean, they can literally type in three words on YouTube and have access to hundreds of hours of me speaking to a camera. Uh and that is so difficult for me Mm -hmm. and I find that line, that water easier to tread when I have nothing personal up there.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, 100%. Like I just started Seeing someone on, uh, yeah. online. Hopefully, and he
2: does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> See, yeah, that's another right? thing. Like, oh. uh, yeah, I hope
0: they I know. are not listening.
2: Um, <laughs> so often, maxi and I are like, "Oh, we wish we could talk about like our dating and our sex life and all these things we want to rant about." And then we're like, "But what if people hear it?" I know that's <laughs> I know. the whole
1: problem. Actually, I have a really, really funny is. story from my maybe we should from start start a dinner. top
2: secret podcast, babe. Yeah, that we don't post anywhere.
1: Yeah, no, I have a very funny story for my Easter dinner, but I'll just finish this this oh, yeah. quickly. <laughs> so, anyway, I I always mention that I have a YouTube channel, but I don't liberally give it out to people because. Okay, but
2: what if people are ask you what it is? What do you say? For sure.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know, like on these online dating sites, a lot of them I just like don't really follow up with. I'm like, okay, just forget you. Some of them I have given it to. somebody. Some people actually um, had their own channels that were along the same lines. Like they were also speaking about politics and stuff. So I, for people like that, I was like, oh, cool, fine. Like you'll like it then. Um, but like
2: what about in your personal life? Like people you know who you meet? Well, like,
1: a lot of them are just not interested. I mean, a lot of my close friends just don't really – like, they all know that I have a YouTube channel and they all know mm-hmm. that I have a podcast, but they just aren't super interested in listening to it or watching it. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people that I know, like, don't actually really even sit around watching YouTube videos at all um, or listening to podcasts. Um,
2: I also feel like you're – since you're working on it – I mean, since you just completed a dissertation, a PhD that very much – like it still says something about your beliefs and what you're interested in and mm-hmm. your, you know, driver in academia. I feel like when I was, you know, on this research grant in Argentina studying like political science and transgender rights or when I was in school, I felt less of a – like people still kind of got what my interests were from mm-hmm. the from what I was doing in my daily life, whereas now my job is super apolitical. Mm-hmm. And so – I really don't feel like I present a version of my, I I really don't feel like I present any of my political beliefs or any of who I am when I talk about like what I, what I do for, you know, quote unquote for a living. Mm -hmm. And so, but the podcast has helped a little bit with that because I feel more comfortable telling people, oh, and I have a podcast because, okay, what are the odds that they're going to sit through? Like, hours of me and Maxi talking or if they will like (laughs) fine, you know, but it's not like my face on a camera available on their phone while they're talking to me when they've just met me 10 minutes ago.
1: Right. Yeah. That's always awkward. And I'm always just like, what if they think my editing skills are balls? (laughs) Like what if they're just like, wow, this is bad, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you're right that my current profession, I mean, and like people who know me, people who have known me since high school and everything and see what I'm posting on Facebook, although I hardly post on my personal Facebook anymore. I post on my Mexi page. But I mean, they all know that I'm like pretty radical. So mm-hmm. I'm sure they know exactly what my channel is about. And if they don't care to watch it, then they just don't care to watch it whatever. whatever. Um, but the funny thing that happened over Easter <laughs> was that I – was shocked to find out that basically like my entire family watches my youtube videos and you know god bless them they're all so awesome but i didn't want to like share it with anybody because they're all just like liberal people you know what i mean they're mm-hmm. um you know they're woke to an extent but not not really um mm-hmm. and certainly my nana i feel <laughs> I just – I really did not want my Nana to find the channel because I felt like she would have a lot of strong opinions about it. Anyway, we're sitting at Easter dinner and uh, she's like, yeah, so I uh, I watched some of your videos. I found them online and uh, we need to talk. And I was like, oh, God. And so she's she's sitting across the room at Easter dinner and she's shouting over to me like, so – are you against
2: capitalism? <laughs>
1: like. Um And then my Florida. aunt, yeah, my aunt's sitting next to her and she's just like, oh, yeah, she is for sure. <laughs> and I was like, what? I'm like, how do you know? I'm like, what? And my cousin's sitting next to me and he's like, oh, I've been waiting for this day. And I was like, do you watch my channel too? I, apparently everyone watches my channel. And I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. And so I was super embarrassed. I was, and they were like, why didn't you tell us about it? And I was like, because I don't want anyone to watch it. And they mm-hmm. were like, but they Please were actually, don't. yeah, I know. A, a lot of them are really supportive and being like, oh, actually they were really educational videos and I like them or whatever but my nana was very freaked out she was very freaked out mm-hmm. um but yeah it's just it is weird to want because we have these these spaces where yeah i would love to come on here and talk about yeah our sex lives or like whatever but it's like no we can't because people might hear it that we know mm-hmm. you know it's it's very very weird um just walking mm-hmm. that line of wanting to be gen- like just genuine and authentic and say whatever the hell we want but then realizing that our loved ones are maybe watching and listening <laughs>
2: right or and people, then people that we've just started with,
1: dating or maybe watching and listening and then we're like oh oops
2: I guess I absolutely made a whole podcast and about you. and tying back to what we were saying earlier of like wanting to be totally authentic but then feeling almost you know feeling more embarrassed if we're saying like more or if we're saying yeah. comments that aren't always 100% on point or aren't always 100% like using the correct terminology or, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and I feel a lot more comfortable on this podcast than on my channel for mm-hmm. sure, because yeah. I don't, I know for a fact, my parents don't listen to this and I don't think, you know, my friends might listen to this, but if they're my best friends, like I don't, obviously I don't give a fuck if they hear all this stuff. Cause mm-hmm. I've spoken to them about it. So, so like, that's, that's great. Like I, I say things on this podcast that I would never say otherwise about like my family or, you know, even the story that you just shared. Um, not that I would ever like shit talk them or anything. Like I love them and that's not what I want to come on here for. But I really overthink every little thing that I do say on my channel because I know that that can be interpreted a certain way by my family members. Mm-hmm. And a really, really clear example of that was with my, Coming out as bisexual video. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: That video was so hard for me to put out there and then deal with the consequences of what it did when I put it out there. Mm -hmm. Um I had been wanting to make I want to talk about bisexuality so much more than I do. And maybe, (laughs) maybe we can have a segment where I do so on this channel until that need has passed, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I didn't, you know, on my channel. So I, I kind of came out to myself and to my friends as bisexual, like a year and a half before I put that video up. And I, at first being, realizing I was bisexual was just this very personal thing. And then it became imbued with all these political realizations of like, oh my God, it's because we think also sexuality is so binary. And I always felt like I had to choose. And, you know, The personal is political, obviously, like the personal is political when it comes to my bisexuality. Mm -hmm. And so I finally like made that video that was 100% the most vulnerable video that I've made to date. About not just bisexuality, but also my experience realizing that I was bisexual, growing up, or like having these conflicted feelings about feeling like I might be a lesbian and being very scared about that when I was younger, and having a homophobic family, and da 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 da. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like I. So I mean, there's definitely some. So now that video is unlisted, by the way, Maxie. I don't know if you if you knew that. Yeah, no. But I I unlisted it a, a long time ago because I realized like it's not worth the stress. Like it mm-hmm. I have, I have way too much stress of knowing that it's it, it's up there because people in my family can see it but also the people that I'm meeting the second they find out that I have a channel like that's a video that I might not want them to see. That goes back to what we were saying earlier of like well there is a certain security that you have if you if your channel only talks about purely political things that aren't personal because I don't really give a shit if, like, you know, someone who I meet at a party goes and watches it. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you have personal information, it's just different. Not not to say that I'm, like, ashamed about who I am, but, like, you you don't necessarily want to open that door to, like, Mm -hmm. anyone. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Um, And anyway, putting that video up, like, I... just a few see I'm still I'm still dealing with the privacy issues but yeah I mean just one of my family members was like incredibly mad at me for putting it up and um, it led to like months of just me being so upset about it um, and also feeling like I I wanted to keep it up there because fuck you it's my channel and Mm -hmm. it's also my journey with this sexuality and and I finally feel okay to talk about it and you're making me feel really embarrassed that I, or like I was seeking attention by putting it up there when that's really not what it was. And I tried to explain to them that, look, watching videos on YouTube of people's coming out stories was literally what saved me in a sense at one point and Mm -hmm. helped me figure out who I was. And I, you know, for that reason, also would love to talk about my experience and help other people. Mm -hmm. And I got so many great, like, hundreds and hundreds of very insightful comments on that video of also people relating to it. And, but anyway, (laughs) I still decided to take it down a few months ago, because I I was thinking, you know, it's not worth, it's not worth the stress. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not worth the stress of meeting someone and not knowing if they've seen that video. And the other thing is that people from my high school know that I have a channel and like, they don't watch my stuff. But I have a feeling a lot of people quite a few people, I know for a fact, saw that video. Mm-hmm. And I went to a super privileged high school, normie ass high school, where <laughs> basically 99% of the people who I went to high school with are now in finance or in corporate law, literally.
0: Mm.
2: And, um, you know, I look at their lives and I don't want it. And I think, wow, I'm I'm so happy that I changed a lot since high school and I'm so happy that I expanded my mind and I'm so passionate about these things now but also there's still a little part of me that sometimes feels like what they're doing is so safe and so beyond criticism just because it's part of the dominant culture
0: Mm -hmm. definitely not
2: beyond criticism in the sense that like I don't look at it critically but beyond criticism in the sense that well since they have the backing of literally everyone thinking that what they're doing is great and is the norm and is what an ambitious person in in a neoliberal capitalist society should be doing, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I do feel embarrassed sometimes or I do feel vulnerable sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know? Definitely. Yeah. And every time I put up a video that might be a little more vulnerable or that might be saying like a little bit more, that might be talking about... feminism or these connections that people think are sort of cuckoo between like <laughs> yeah. I've never said cuckoo in my life I love it I love yeah it. I love like what what realizing that certain terms are ableist has I done know to my language <laughs> me too <laughs> because I really use very improbable terms yeah I like, do every day there's a new one yeah. anyway so people think I'm a little bit cuckoo sometimes in these circles um mm. And when I put these, like, theories out there, yeah, Mm -hmm. anyway.
1: Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of people that I've known for a long time, like, you know, since high school, since grade school, that, you know, they'll ask me questions about stuff. And I have to really tiptoe around my answer and really make sure to choose my words very carefully and not make it sound too radical, Yeah. (laughs) Even though I'm like, why am I doing this? I have all the facts. I could just explain it point blank. But I just feel like there's – I definitely am, like, walking on eggshells with a lot of people. Mm. Um, And I'm sure – I mean, this is another thing. Like, you know, a lot of my friends – some of them do follow my Mexi page. A lot of them don't. Like, they just aren't really – paying attention um and then the ones that do follow my page like i mean they rarely like anything that i'm sharing even though i'm like i don't think i share objectionable shit too often you know and i'm like they they have facebook you know business pages and i'm always liking their business stuff and i'm like why aren't you liking my stuff you know i'm like i'm aware that some, you know I'm posting communist memes sometimes, you know, or like I am aware well, that yeah,
2: and they're fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're the
1: best, and I'm aware that a lot of my followers, like unironically, have you know like vaporwave pictures of Lenin as their as their profile picture. Right. But the points that they're like, you know, the comments that they're leaving are extremely well thought out and reasonable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But anyway, I just feel I I do feel very self conscious about that and very um. Yeah, just nervous that I'm alienating all of these people that, because I don't really need to reach the far left. I've already, they're already reached, right? Mm. I mean, I do have a lot of people messaging me that say that they, started out as conservative and now like I've convinced them about a lot of diff- different things, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the people that we really need to reach most are these like normie, liberal white people. I mean, th- th- these are people that, you know, I grew up with or that surround me. These are the people that I need to be reaching. And I feel very self-conscious that it's like, okay, I want you to follow my page. I want you to follow my stuff. But I also don't want you to be terrified and then become immediately alienated by mm. the kind of community that follows me or like the sometimes the kind of stuff that I'm putting out. And it's just this very delicate balance of like, well, I want you to be exposed to this stuff. But I know that there are definitely some people who are like commenting on my posts that are certainly scaring people away from engaging with Mm -hmm. my my stuff and I feel like that's one of the problems of the left that they don't care that much about optics and they they're I mean I I understand trying to normalize certain things but I also feel like you really if you like you have to know your audience you know um Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's definitely a challenge for me with the people that I know and my friends from high school and everything is like walking the line of like, I want you to be exposed this, to this stuff, but I feel like you're also going to get horrified by like. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. I I think that we, in that sense, we're a little bit different because the goal of maybe our channels are not that our channels have a, a set goal, mm-hmm. but um. But, what I mean is that I think that your videos are super educational about how to try to understand the system and do like they do have the potential to really radicalize someone who you know tries to think very rationally about this system of c- capitalism because you debunk
0: mm-hmm.
2: in a in an accessible and very like matter factual way like these things about capitalism, and so I understand that i I understand why it would be super important for you to be able to reach the people who are, like, kind of just on the fence or kind of just liberal, you know? And Mm -hmm. you want to, like, tilt that scale in the favor of, like, radical leftism. Mm -hmm. And I think that I really, I, like, I gave up on the on like I'm not really trying to make veganism accessible to more people or I'm not really trying to make anti-capitalism accessible to more people sometimes I'm like I don't really know what (laughs) I'm trying to do it's just like I'm excited about this information and these ideas and so I'm just like putting them out there Mm
0: -hmm. um
2: and sometimes when people are when people leave comments about like me preaching to the choir I'm like that's okay like I'm not really trying to like convert a whole bunch of people um even though and and if I did, you know, if I did think about the pool that I'm trying to radicalize, you know, it would be vegans who, you know, are thinking or sh- who should be thinking more intersectionally. And I certainly, I do s- definitely care about doing that. And I hope that my channel does that. And I think that it has done so for many people. But I wouldn't say that that is like the concern with which I write the videos. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Yeah. Um, and so my new series or the series that I've been experimenting with on my channel um, that I'm that I've decided to call systems of speciesism is sort of trying to branch. And I'm realizing now, I'm like, I don't think these videos are actually more accessible to the people than the videos that I was making before. <laughs> but I was thinking, you know, so so the, the point of the, the way the videos go is I, t- I take one oppression and I explain how it affects animals. Like I've done how ableism affects vi- animals and how the gender binary affects animals. And I think next I want to do how fat shaming affects animals or how ageism affects animals or I don't know. I have. So many ideas. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, well, okay, people who, you know, are concerned with sizeism or people who are concerned about ableism, also showing them that animals are victims of this system of, of oppression is a good way also to like show them how intersectional like the fact that animals are their allies and the fact Mm -hmm. that if they really do want to dismantle this oppression in human communities, then they're going to have to take into consideration animals because if they keep sanctioning the oppression of animals, then they're implicitly continuing, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: then they're implicitly continuing to oil the wheels of, of this other system of ableism of mass incarceration of police brutality of ageism of the gender binary, you know? Mm -hmm. Um,
1: I thought you did a really good job of that with the gender binary videos um, because you really made it clear that so much of our thinking about humans is based off of this really problematic and not even really scientific, scientifically sound understanding of gender in animals and what's natural in the animal world. And I feel like Ex- that's mm-hmm. really important for us to think about because, yeah, if we want to Stop people from thinking that this is just the natural way to to be. Like rape is just natural, and men are just naturally mm-hmm. the providers, and women are just you know, and people are just naturally competitive, and like that's what it is. Like dog eat dog world, you know. If you want to challenge these things, then we also have to challenge the foundational concepts that they're based on, right?
0: Hmm.
2: Right. And thinking about and Afco talks about this in her book Afroism, um, but thinking about animality. Like thinking not just about animals and humans and how to free animals, Mm -hmm. but thinking about like the whole concept of animality as wrapped up in literally every single social justice issue, you know, and how Mm -hmm. animality is a status under capitalism and under our current system of hierarchy. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, what this would be a really cool way to show how much like animality is itself a social construct and does need to be challenged if we want to, at all overcome these other oppressions you know we can't tackle them independently from animality Mm -hmm. but you know I still I like the videos that I've made so far in the series Um, I do think they're perhaps less accessible or I, I don't know I'm struggling with the fact that they're getting less views than my other videos and I I think that that might be also from, you know, I don't understand the YouTube algorithm. I'm really not consistent in my uploads. I think that that might have something to do with it. I also think, okay, well, how many how many people are going to be really interested in a 28-minute video about how animals are oppressed by ableism? You know, okay, well, probably not as big of an audience as like, if I'm talking about, you know, racism in the Rachel four community or something like that, yeah. um, which still is super important to talk about, but mm-hmm. is going to get more traction and definitely, you know, then if we want to go through that route, like, you know, what about what I eat in a day videos oh, or <laughs> how to lose weight on a vegan diet or, you know, like obviously all these videos that we could easily make that would a hundred percent get more traction. hmm I, yeah, I, I'm proud of these videos, and I like these videos, and I don't want the numbers to, like, dissuade me from making them, but then mm-hmm. I'm also thinking, well, am I – also, I, I do want them to reach people, so should I be – like, sometimes I think it's it's wrong for me to be concerned about numbers, and when I listen to myself, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm, I'm passionate about the information that I'm putting out there, and the numbers shouldn't matter, and that's how I think about things in my life, but then I think, well, should they, though, because – Don't I want this message to go out to more people? Mm -hmm.
1: I know. So, yeah, I know. It's always a struggle. Like, and I feel like, you know, especially in this, I guess, social media age, everything is just metrics. You know, we just have metrics mm -hmm. for everything. And they're so
2: fucking blatant. Mm -hmm. Like, the second you watch another video, you see how many likes and how many comments and how many views. And like, Mm
0: -hmm. even
2: if you're not a number obsessed person, it's just we navigate in. We're navigating in a society where everything is measured. I mean, mm-hmm. if it can't be measured, it can't be managed, and so you bet your ass it's going to be measured so that it can mm-hmm, be, mm-hmm. so that it yeah. can be like managed in the most productive way, you right?
1: Know? But it just causes so much anxiety because yeah, whenever you put out a YouTube video, you're always like the the whole rest of the day you're like refreshing to see like how many views people are getting how many likes like what people are saying about it and everything like that and so it's hard not to obsess about that sometimes i wonder because you know you can you can change it so that nobody sees like you don't see if people like or dislike it or you don't see how many people are subscribed to you or you don't see any of those things you can change really? it to do that yeah so some people do that so that it's just kind of like here's the video and it doesn't and what show... about the
2: views i don't know I don't think You can ever i'm not sure that about
1: down. that one um possibly though because i saw i was watching one today that said it had no views but even though it, it obviously had like 30 likes and a bunch of comments mm. so Not sure. Um, I
2: would be interested in that. I mean, mm -hmm. that's something that I love about podcasts. Mm -hmm. Like, we – even though it's – I think it it must be frustrating if you're creating, like, podcasts on a professional level to not really know what other people – it's funny, I've – Especially well, I look at all others. the stats
1: of our podcast all the
2: time. Well, that's true. That's true. I, I never do.
1: I, yeah, I'm like, girl, I'm I'm constantly refreshing that page.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But you can't see what other people – what kind of traction other people are getting. So you're not yes. – it's not – you're not comparing yourself right. with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I also like the fact that when I start, like, a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, I have no idea how popular they are. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you kind of get an idea because you go and follow them on Instagram or something. And if they have, like, mm-hmm. you know, 200 followers, you, you get the sense that, okay, must not be a huge podcast. Or you mm-hmm. can tell by the numbers of reviews they have on iTunes. But I never go check that. Mm-hmm. And so I like that I'm... And another thing is that I like that I'm digesting information and making a judgment on it without knowing if like millions of other people are also listening to it and loving it, Mm -hmm. like without knowing how popular it is, because this is even something that I, you know, have when I'm listening to music on Spotify, I always want to listen to the most popular song by the artist that I've just discovered. And it almost implicitly... I feel like it impacts my appreciation for a song or how much patience I'm going to have for it. Like if I'm going to listen to it 10 different times to try and like it or not, or if I'm kind of going to give up on it. Like if it has like a hundred listens, I... It almost yeah, like devalues the song in my mind. Whereas if it has like millions of people who have listened to it, I'm like, oh, there must be something to this song.
1: You know, <laughs> I'm like the opposite because I love like underground obscure music. So if there's a lot uh-huh. of people liking it, I'm like, oh, it must be mainstream trash. So I'll like try and dig yeah. through like the deep tracks to find something else. But but no, but like I,
2: shows even you know yeah like no level of popularity. Definitely. And, and I feel like videos too. Sometimes I'll click and I'll be like, 5 yeah. million views. Like, I need to yeah. see this. You yes. Know? Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I think that's, yeah, I think that's part of the problem. And we've talked about this before, and you've talked about this a lot on your channel about like the neoliberalization of life itself and how everything is a competition and everything is about getting the most views, getting the most likes, getting this and getting all that recognition. And even if you don't feel like you're competing with other YouTubers, like you kind of are, I guess, because everything is, is visible like that, so I feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like there should be an option on YouTube, like if if everyone didn't know what, oh, I would love that. Other people are getting viewed or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean that would, yeah. it would really take it would take away your idea of like, oh, this is a competition, and then you could just put things out to, to just put them out and not really worry about your your view count. Mm-hmm. I mean, even for my videos, like my my I did part one and part two of there's no such thing as a natural disaster and part one got like a billion views and part two got like half the views even though it was like I thought it was quite a good video but it's just a good video it's just such a hard like even though it's like well it's still got like a decent amount of views or whatever but it's just hard when you when you have consistently a certain number of views and then and then it drops even a little bit or even for whatever reason it's like well why is this one not getting any views like this you know this was good <laughs> and like yeah. I said like my my top viewed videos which have like fifteen thousand or like you know coming up on twenty thousand views are terrible they're my worst videos and I'm like please mm-hmm. stop watching these guys like watch these ones that I'm suggesting
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and it's true that how many views you have, you get on a certain video is really not, it's really not reflective of the video itself and like the quality of the video. Like, I mean, some of my most viewed videos are videos that I'm proud of, but also the ones that I've been putting out lately are just have been getting like much less views. And also I want to point out that this is not about like the quantitative views themselves because people may be listening to this podcast who like don't you know, don't even get half those views or whatever, mm-hmm. but they definitely comparatively get less views than a lot of my videos did before. And it's really, yeah, it's like hard for me to just keep, it's almost like I, and, and, and a part of me really, truly does not care. And I feel like neoliberal society takes that away from me Yeah, because People, then I think, oh, well, people must think that I should care. Mm-hmm. So, you know, an example even is when people are like, oh, so do you make money with YouTube? Or like, oh, so, oh, yeah, I had someone ask me recently, like, oh, so is your French series, like, working well? Like, working well? Like, it's a French expression, like, I'm mm-hmm. doing well. Yeah. And I was like, no, I mean, that's not, like, really why I'm doing it, you know. But But also people always ask me about my YouTube channel in terms of, like, are the metrics growing as if that should be the point of why I'm putting it out there. And so I Mm -hmm. tell people like, no, I mean, that's like not really what I'm trying to do with it. But then people are so obsessed with that sort of thinking that they think I must be sort of comforting myself by not caring about Mm -hmm, that so mm -hmm, much. mm -hmm. But I'm like, no, I'm really not. Like, I really don't care. But then I feel like I'm pushed to care sometimes. I know. And like in... You know, in college, I, so I've always really hated competition, like being competitive with people. Like I, I don't know, I don't do any team sports. I I think I used to be really competitive up until I was like, I don't know, 13 or 14 or even 15. I feel like I stopped being super competitive when I became a feminist, honestly, (laughs) because before I was always trying to compete with other women or with other men to show them that like I was as good as other men oh my god me too I was obsessed I went to college and I read like all this amazing feminist lit and I was like wait I literally never want to compete with anyone ever again like I'm enough and I feel like yeah so
1: (laughs) yeah um, I was like the most confrontational in high school I was just like I can do anything a guy would do and I would just like now I'm like oh I'm cold
2: I don't want to do that sport you know, whereas like before I totally would have just like done it,
1: you know. Oh yeah, no, for sure I would like compete to the yeah.
2: death. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm like, no, I don't really wanna like ride this triple black diamond ski slope mm-hmm. because I'm cold and I'd rather cuddle up and drink wine or something, you know? Um whereas before I always felt like I had to prove myself. Um and I realized that actually I don't ever need to prove myself and my life is just fine. And I'm not dead. <laughs> yeah.
0: um,
2: and so in college, I really didn't take any – so I was a political science and gender studies major and I really didn't take any courses with my close friends. I mean, they took other classes anyways, but I really liked being – like I'm such a loner a lot of the times. Like I really like taking classes on my own. I liked the fact that like I didn't really care about my GPA that much. Even th- I did for myself. Like I worked hard,
0: mm-hmm.
2: even though I also partied hard and socialized a lot. Which I know people who know me from YouTube are always. Whenever side note, but whenever they meet me, they're all, they're like, "Oh, you're a lot more fun or a lot less serious than you seem on your YouTube channel." <laughs> which I'm both like, "Yeah, dude, I'm I'm cool," but yeah. then I'm also like, "Wow, I must I must <laughs> really give off the vibe of being just <laughs> you know a really not fun frigid person on everything
1: YouTube. is anyway. oppression."
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're so oppressing like, oh, wait, me so, with your presence. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, that yeah, that that was an aside. But what was I saying? Oh, yes, I was saying that in college, I or just like in general, I really don't do th- things in teams, and I really didn't take classes with my friends. Not because I'm too competitive, but also just because I just did stress. I just don't like competition. And I kind of like, like doing my own thing and being passionate about my own stuff. And I sort of like when all my friends have different hobbies and we really support each other, but we're not like indirect, we're not like directly doing the same thing. And I really don't feel like I need numbers or I need to know how other people are doing to assess how I'm doing. Like I feel very confident in my sense of self and my ability to do stuff. Mm-hmm. I just rather shut out the noise. So sometimes I feel like I pigeonhole myself on YouTube almost to, like, avoid the – or not pigeonhole. I don't know where I'm going with this. But (laughs) I I think on YouTube, like, I don't try to be super – like, I don't try to make a bunch of collabs or I don't really try to hop on a lot of bandwagons because it's kind of safe and nice to just be sort of in my own thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's still interesting being on on a platform where the numbers are so public um, that you're sort of implicitly forced to compare yourself to people. And I also think that this whole, like, fear or avoidance of competition is also – I mean, that's why I don't like to share my channel with the people in my life. That's why I never post videos to my personal page. That's why, like, still on some level, even though YouTube is, like, this public thing, it's still something that a lot of people in my personal life don't get. So I'm not being compared with anyone, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: No, definitely. I also don't – like I don't touch any of the drama that's going on I don't make takedown videos I don't make things that I could make that would get a lot of views but I'm like no mm-hmm. I like to just put out my own little informational videos and if you want to watch them you can watch them and if you don't you can just not watch them mm-hmm. and I'm not going to get tied into any of this other shit like I have so many people who come on they're just like debate ask yourself or like whatever yeah. and I'm like no <laughs> No. That would be like so pointless.
2: <laughs> why would you put yourself through that? I have no idea. <laughs> and then people are all like, "Okay, unpopular opinion for a second here. I don't like debates." Okay, people are all like, "Why? Why aren't you? Why aren't you more open to debate? Why aren't you?" No, no, no. I can have a discussion with someone mm-hmm. where we discuss our idea, but when the point, when the the end in itself is to debate, to work on the art of how to win another argument Mm -hmm. like I'm not interested I fucking hate that shit Mm -hmm. I fucking hate debating I hate when people like it's so absurd to just like I understand why it can be an art form on its own like people are assigned a point of view and so they have to develop it in a way that is convincing blah blah Mm -hmm. blah Mm -hmm. but like that should be a very niche art form if people like if that's like the shit they like to do on their free time otherwise like I'm not on there to debate people or Mm -mm. to like try and trump their rhetoric with my argument like i'm out there to put out ideas because i think that the ideas matter and i don't want to debate you i don't care Mm -hmm. i can discuss things with you but if things are framed as a debate that one person is going to win or lose like i'm not fucking interested no
1: no absolutely not i mean in my classes a lot of times we will do like mock debates or whatever as a way to learn some of the the material or you know if if there's two major opposing ideas like like malthusianism and their critics or whatever we'll do a debate to kind of so that everybody can understand the material better um right but what you'd notice is that when you get into that debate situation like people don't get to choose what they're debating like in these classes or in these tutorials or whatever right so you just assign okay you guys are debating this side you guys are debating that side people get so into it like they're so You know, focus on debating their side and figuring out ways to trump the other person and like, well, how can I think about this in another way that would make it, you know, and so it's, people get so riled up about it, but it's like, this might not even be your position, but since you're in this debate, and you're made to kind of combat the other person with the idea that you've been assigned then of course you're going to just like Mm -hmm. go at them. You know what I mean? And you're not going to, you're not going to sit there and be like, Oh, actually that makes a lot of sense. Like I retract and I, I guess, Everything I've ever thought in my life has been uh, a complete sham. So mm-hmm. I guess I should shut my channel down. Like people don't so do not do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, there's no nuance at all. It just ends up being a screaming match. Like all the debates that I've, I can't even sit through a full debate. Like I'll I watch like little bits of it, but I can't because I'm just like, it's, it's pointless.
2: And it's again about hierarchy and having a winner and having a loser, you know, mm-hmm. like framing a discussion in that way makes me so annoyed Um, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's a very male-centric way to handle things. How many men have come up to me or have like I've explained my ideas about like feminism or about veganism and they're incredibly confrontational and then they say oh I just like to play devil's advocate or like to play devil's advocate. Have you considered this? Or the very condescending reason sometimes is like oh well I just want to make you work on how to better defend your ideas yeah (laughs) oh my god if anyone (laughs) now if anyone fucking tells me I just want to play devil's advocate I'm like no Mm -hmm. goodbye I cannot like are you kidding I do not want to sit here and here like playing devil's advocate for what who is your audience who is watching you play devil's advocate like who are you doing this for it's just because your fragility is not handling learning something from me you know Mm -hmm. but like playing devil's advocate like for what for who just so that you can get me like super riled up and emotional (laughs) and then try to discredit me on that basis Mm -hmm. and then say patronizingly that it was all to just help me work on the elaboration of my arguments in the first place
1: yeah no that's super annoying but definitely I mean it goes back to what we were saying earlier about like valuing Valuing a male way of arguing and presenting information versus like a f- more female way of like open dialogue and like welcoming, mm-hmm. kind, polite discussion. You know what I mean? And these debates, I mean, I feel like they don't really change anyone's mind. Like people go into them, you know, there's like debates like Sargon versus some leftist or whatever. And it's like all of Sargon's fans just think that he won, and all of the leftist fans just think that he, the leftist won. It's just mm-hmm. people don't come away from that feeling like they learned anything they just feel like even more galvanized in their in their ideas so i really do like discussion that's why i like contrapoints live mm-hmm. a lot um I but mm-hmm. she's not really yeah i mean she does bring on people who disagree with her uh on some things as well but it's just it's such a, a much more productive discussion as opposed to these huge set up debates and so yeah it, it's just ridiculous when people when i'll pre- present something and people their immediate reaction will be like debate this person i'm like N-
2: why would debate this yeah. person like <laughs> and they make it they're like well if you were if you were really confident in what you were saying or if yeah like you just won't debate someone because you know you'd lose mm-hmm. it's like no it's because i have other shit to do in my life and, and also I because care.
1: i don't i know that they wouldn't be arguing in good faith and also because if somebody just doesn't have any of the the relevant information then it's like, I don't have time to sit there explaining it to them. <clears throat> For example, like listening to that debate between Matt Blender and the vegan cheetah, and the vegan cheetah is going off about how, you know, well, isn't it just the elite Jews? Or like, isn't it like, aren't, aren't people in Africa just backwards? And like, aren't they just not good at being capitalist and it's just like if you don't have any of the knowledge or background or information i like i'm not going to spend hours sitting here being like well okay let's start with the history of colonialism you know like
2: <laughs>
1: like that's fucking it's pointless like,
2: <laughs> like there's so many layers of stuff you'd have to deconstruct exactly before you even able to understand yes it, it's what i'm arguing, yeah, that it's too much. Yeah, exactly. You can't
1: have a debate like that because then <laughs> yeah. everything that the other person is saying is just this ridiculous thing where it's like, okay, that's so problematic, so let me just explain the way that the entire world works to you in mm-hmm. five minutes, you know? It's just mm-hmm. absurd. So,
2: yeah. And it's also really difficult because a lot of those times those people have these axioms that we've been fed our entire life, mm-hmm. like... Uh, okay, give me one. I like taxation is theft, <laughs> taxation is theft, for example, uh-huh. and just because that view is the dominant view and has been repeated by people so many different times, and just because like it has all this weight in a debate that it should not have uh-huh. because the thing itself is a horrible point uh-huh. but just by virtue of the fact it's been repeated over and over again, it gives the whoever the person who says it mm-hmm. so much clout. Mm-hmm. I, I have this a lot when I'm debating with my father. Um, dad, okay, he's not listening to this. I need to stop freaking out. <laughs> but... He says these axioms like, um, you, well, you know, competition is what made us who we are or um, you need to like, this like so- social Darwinist idea of like, mm-hmm. even though it's not all roses and rainbows and it sucks, like at the end of the day, we need to be competitive and like competition is what got us here. And it's what, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like getting things on the market is what's going to make them succeed and wh- whatever, all these pretty absurd verifiably false claims mm-hmm. that he doesn't need to back up at all or he doesn't need to question at all just because they're so universally accepted mm-hmm. and it's really difficult to argue with that um mm-hmm. yeah yeah
1: no definitely I, I mean and that's the thing like why would i want to get in a debate with somebody who's just going to be like want equality of outcome not, not equality of opportunity and all this yeah. crap it's like no <sighs> <laughs> you know it's like it's it's, yeah. it's it's tiresome like I don't have totally. time for this
2: you know <laughs> yeah a hundred percent I also feel like social media and YouTube and just like online spaces can be hard places on which to interact if you don't go in with this incentive to win a debate or to almost detach yourself from what's happening in order to get this outcome of winning or losing Mm -hmm. I don't know if that like made sense but I just think that people online definitely treat themselves less kindly than they would in person just because they don't have to see the pain that they inflict on the other person Mm -hmm. and this is also very true like in the leftist circle you know or in just sometimes I see people really going off on each other um Mm -hmm. in ways that like just me just a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. um and I just even though I really understand and I don't want this to come off as I condone tone policing because I don't um but just some of the really aggressive things that people say online I don't think that they would actually ever say in person and that is also I don't know that's just also hard for me to for me to interact with um and I feel like. Just in general, in even my daily life, I am, I'm pretty sensitive. I really, every time I do something or say something or even text something, I'm always very aware that someone is on the receiving end of that and all the different ways that they could be perceiving my interaction with them. And I think that's just a projection because I really overly analyze the way that people interact with me. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of deviating from the whole social media issue right now. (laughs) Um, I'm known to be, for example, a really friendly texter because I just never want people to feel worried that I might be mad at them, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, I'll send a lot of like exclamation points and like smiley faces and hearts. And (laughs) it's not because I'm like you know, trying to be a people pleaser or something because I'm not. But, but when it comes to, I don't know, meeting up with someone or, 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 I don't know, answering someone's question, I always do it in a very friendly way because if someone like texts me and says like, dot, 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 or like puts periods everywhere or, or something, I'll usually read into that too much. Yes. Um, <laughs> And and I think that like the internet is such a hard place for that because there's so much that isn't left to the face to face or voice to voice, and for people like me, it's just really fucking stressful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All of my texts are littered with LOLs all the way through because I me just do. I just want to like emphasize that this is a very jovial text. <laughs> like, <laughs>
2: Like, people will be like, what time is Klaas at? And I'll be like, Klaas is at 5! Like, exclamation point, smiley face, kissy face, heart. It's like... (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to say like class at five, period. Because I'm like, no, I want this person to know that, that if they, or, or, you know, I want this person to, if they need to ask me, like, well, what room is it in or what mm-hmm. professor is going to be there, like, yeah. I want them to feel like they're not annoying me by doing that, you know? So, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> yeah. No, I
1: know. Even with my students, sometimes I'll put like a smiley face or something. Oh, my and God, yeah. <laughs>
2: My students – oh, this is something else that I've noticed, and I think it's something that women do more than men. It's really interesting because I'm a tutor for – I'm a private tutor, and also I teach group classes um, for high schoolers. And all the girls are – like, you should see my texts with my, the girls, with the women, the young women that I tutor. They they have hearts. They have hugs. They're like, okay, see you at five. Like, heart, hug, smile, kiss. Like, <laughs> it's really yeah it's really funny and they're also just like so much more careful Mm -hmm. around me and like very friendly and always ask me if I like want something to drink or if I'm cold or how I'm doing um and you know I love my I love my my little dude students too like they're (laughs) they're awesome like whenever I see high schoolers where just the the young men are like really respectful and Mm -hmm. um Oh man, it just like touches my heart. Me I'm, like, too. You're gonna grab to be like such a fucking dope human. I know. Um, so I have like, a ton of love for for my students of all genders, but I definitely notice a difference with how how self conscious or how you know how the women act, like always kind of considering how their reaction is going to be taken into account by the other party. Mm-hmm. And in my life, I really. I do try to deprogram myself from that sometimes, or to a certain extent, I tell myself, okay, Maureen, analyze the situation through your perspective, not through how it's impacting the person that is receiving your message and so in turn influencing how you are learning to analyze your own behavior, if that made sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I just try as much as possible to like, unidirectionally act you know of like well this is my action and this is the impact that I want and I'm just seeing that line going in one direction and I trust myself I'm a like considerate compassionate person so like I'm not gonna act like an asshole because of that you know Mm -hmm. Um, but but, I don't know I mean like I really appreciate
1: when people take time to think not unidirectionally you know what I mean I'm having (laughs) uh, someone that I recently met and i've been texting um they do not do like jovial (laughs) texts it's very it's very it's it's, it's very to the point all the time with periods everywhere and there's like hardly any an emoji and i'm like i don't i don't know how to read this at all
2: (laughs) yeah yeah, and it's hard to not put yourself in that person's shoes because you're like, if I was yeah. texting like that, it would mean that I hate yeah, you. Yeah, like whoa You know what I mean? This is uh yeah, snubbed. <laughs> That's been anyway. one of the biggest battles of my adult life is learning to separate myself from people's reactions. Understanding that even though they're not writing me back or even though they're answering in some kind of way, it doesn't mean that they don't love me, or it doesn't mean that they must be mad, or it doesn't mean that I they must not care about me it just means that they have a different operating system than I do because it's hard for me not to think well if I was acting exactly like that it would mean this this and this mm-hmm. it would mean that this person is you know out of my thoughts it would mm-hmm. mean that I'm sort of mad it would mean that you know all of these things
0: mm-hmm.
2: that I really have to struggle not to view other people's actions through um hmm Yeah, and some people are just flat out inconsiderate, like, for sure. But some people also just obviously, like, act differently than I do, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. And I need to not get all worried. No. And and plus, if they have a problem with me, they just should tell me. Like, I shouldn't be playing mind games to try and figure it out. Just like this person that you're seeing, like, if they don't want to be seeing you or if they, like, they're going to tell you that.
1: Yeah, hopefully. You know
2: what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. For sure.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, and you just have to like find your people too, right? Because it's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, somebody has a different operating system than you and they're throwing you into disarray. But it's like, yeah, no, you just got to find your people who get what you're putting out and maybe put out a similar energy, a similar mm-hmm. vibe, and then go from there.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And how can, how can we find these people, Maxie? That was yeah. a perfect segue. <laughs> Well, tell me, uh, Maureen. I'm dying to know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I was joking to Maxi about this a few days ago because I felt like when I became vegan, I didn't know any other vegans, like, at all. This was, oh my god, almost five years ago now. Damn. And... Also, when I became a feminist, I felt like I didn't know any other feminists. And when I realized I was bisexual, I was like, I don't know any other bisexuals. And it's so funny how every time, flash forward a few months into the future, like, those are the only people who I know around me. Like, I feel like all my friends are vegan or vegan curious or, yeah, like, all my closest friends are vegan at this point. And it's either because I've met friends that are also vegan or because I've veganized, like, my best friends. Mm-hmm. Um And same, like the same thing is happening with bi women. Like I know so many bi women now and, you know, either a lot of women in my life have also realized that they're bi either. I've, I've also like sought out, you know, sought to meet more bi people. So I've like created a little bit of a community. Um, But that's really awesome. Like finding, as you said, like finding your people and seeing Mm -hmm. that there are people who are out there and, if I live my values fully, then, you know, I don't want to get all law of attraction <laughs> in right here, but, like, you do, yeah, you do attract or, like, you do, like, the mm-hmm. people who are also interested in that stuff gravitate towards you and you gravitate towards them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Especially That's because I'm, you. like, totally, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm such a no bullshit type of person. Oh Man, I really envy, like, people who can small talk at parties or people Ugh. who can... I just get so fucking real right away. And my friends tease me about this sometimes. Like, within 30 minutes, the person is telling me, like, their life story and their childhood and, like, all the drama that's happened to them. And, like, like I just get into such serious conversations with people all the time. Yeah. And on some level, can be tiring sometimes, as we know. Um, but also, I'm just so fucking grateful for the deep, deep, deep connections that I have with the, the people who are close to me in my life. And... I, I feel like the upside from being like an intense person with like politically charged beliefs about everything. um, You know, obviously, there are downsides that we've been talking about for nearly an hour and a half. Um, But I also feel like I know who I am. And like, I love the people who are around me so much. And like the people, the few people who I am surrounded by love me for me, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and that's, really awesome to have that sort of security.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think you're really, really good at, you know, surrounding yourself with amazing people. I feel like I mean, a lot of my friends that I have, like, my closest friends I've had since, like, grade school. And so, I mean, a lot of them, obviously, like, they they understand me. Like, we understand each other on, like, a lot of different levels. But a lot of them are, like, we don't talk politics or we don't really talk. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes we talk about veganism and stuff. Um, But it's just, yeah, it's just kind of different. Um, I guess a lot of the people that I've met since like putting myself out there I mean like my colleagues at school obviously like share a lot of my politics or or whatever mm-hmm. um but yeah I guess I meet people online but I haven't like been as successful I guess at like creating like a vegan like leftist community um mm-hmm. like off of an online space um although I'm trying to go out to like more events and stuff in Toronto and I feel like that'll be you know really good and really useful um because, yeah, I get a lot of comments from people or a lot of questions from people who, like, live in small towns and, like, small conservative towns. And they feel super alienated and they don't really know how to connect with people or build that community. And I'm I'm always kind of at a loss because, I mean, that it is hard, you know. It is. Mm-hmm. It is hard to – especially if you're in a situation where you don't have a lot of people close to you. But then in that case, I think online is a good, you know – a good medium because i'm like yeah i I've, I've never even met marine in real life like guys, <laughs> oh, guys. <laughs> make it happen send us money <laughs> okay, we're going to in june june is for oh, sure man. um so excited but still we've been able to like have such a amazing close relationship just via online and we met that way so i feel like even if you live in a tiny place and people around you aren't that great you know i feel like you can still make connections with people that feel good and
2: make you realize that you're not alone, you know? Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think that there is such a tremendous sense of community and empowerment that can be accomplished by just putting yourself out there as exactly who you are and pe- meeting people with like that that fresh slate. And I think mm-hmm. that if online can be a place where you can do that, I think that's really wonderful. I know that when I first went vegan and stopped caring about or just became I I would not call myself a minimalist but really didn't like got rid of so many of my clothes just really developed like different interests um I felt quite alienated from my close of my my group of close friends not my close of group friends (laughs) Um, and I signed up on OkCupid and my profile, it was the first time that I was like defining myself in these like really political terms, um, in what I was doing. And so I was meeting people from online. We were meeting on the basis. They they knew that I was like anti-capitalist. They knew that I was vegan. They knew that I was a feminist Mm -hmm. and just... It was a huge out for me at that time when I felt very alienated from my close friends to be able to just meet someone with these labels or like with this new identity that I had, even if I didn't particularly get along with that person. Mm -hmm. It didn't really matter. Mm -hmm. But the fact that I was presenting myself to the world in this way and like getting to experiment those new identities and talk about these new ideas and like reclaim them in a public space was so so important Mm -hmm. and yeah so like online was a huge part of that for me Cupid was a huge part of that for me i've never uh no i've dated one person from Cupid, but otherwise i've met a lot of people on Cupid and i've never had anything romantic with any of them except for yeah one person but um just just I say that because I really think that it can be a website or like online can be a place where you can go without you know necessarily like dating the person or having something romantic Mm -hmm. but so at that time also I had just graduated college I feel like I've I've talked about that time period quite a few times on online platforms because it really was a difficult time for me in terms of like yeah finding veganism um and understanding like colonialism better just i don't know i was like so fucking enraged but also very enraged about all these things but so incredibly passionate about all of these like just all these blindfolds that were getting ripped away from from mm-hmm. my eyes that sounded painful you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> that i so i was really lucky because after college i got to i traveled for 6 months in asia mm-hmm. Uh, yeah now looking back on some of the aspects of the trip I I kind of roll my eyes um because it was you know yeah there's a lot to say about like the white privilege that I had and the financial privilege that I haven't being able to do this and I would not advocate this as like a global solution <laughs> yeah. um, f- that's applicable to anyone but for me like traveling alone and and I don't know just getting to really be 100% who I was and meet so many different people was so important. And it really also made me realize that people come in and out of your life, but you never leave your side, you know, Mm -hmm. and like you always need to – live by what makes you proud and what you believe in at the time. Because if you start to compromise yourself and your beliefs and your interests based on who's around you, like that's a fucking nightmare. You Mm -hmm. know, like those things are all temporal. At the end of the day, you're going to live, you're going to die alone. You know, you need to, you need, you need to be who you are and Mm -hmm. not let that person constantly get deviated by the circumstances Mm -hmm. and Traveling for six months alone really helped me – really helped solidify that for me because there were so many times where I would have wanted to make little compromises to feel more comfortable, mm-hmm. to, to make the other person feel more comfortable. But then you like leave that person the next day or like two days later when you're not in that bus ride or whatever and you realize, oh, that person actually – that that had no bearing on my life. Like what did have bearing on my life was what I decided to do because that influences the person who I am today and the decisions that I have to live by today. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just like realizing and really trying to embrace the fact that what's most important is like to live by who you want to be and to try to own that a hundred percent. And yeah, to like, Learn to love to spend time with yourself and love who you are because, mm-hmm. like, you're going to be I, – I know it sounds lame, but I'm really fucking excited and almost comforted by the fact that no matter what happens in my life, like, I'm going to be with myself. Like, mm-hmm. I actually love to hang out with me, like, whenever oh God, I hang out too. with people for too long, for, like, a week or even, like, a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes i i whenever i have alone time again i i'm so excited Mm -hmm. like i almost i'm just like wow this is so fucking great i feel like taking myself out on little dates or like making (laughs) a nice meal and reading a good book or watching a good show like i'm just like fuck marine you're so lucky that you get to just like hang out with yourself at the end of the day oh my god
1: yeah same i totally love just being alone with myself
2: How fucking lucky are we that that's the case? Mm-hmm.
1: But I mean, it, it's, it could be the case for everyone. It's just that people, yes. like, we're not really taught how to enjoy our own company, really. Or, like, just mm-hmm. be happy about ourselves and be happy about our convictions even if no one else believes them. Or, you know, people are challenging them or making you feel shit about them. Like, I'm, I would not want to trade what I know just to be, like, you know, ignorance is bliss. Like, no, I would not want to trade – what I know, to be maybe more superficially happy Mm -hmm. (laughs) within the system. Mm -hmm. Um, I would much rather have my convictions and and, and know what's really going on and be awake to this stuff, even if it's depressing and even if it makes you feel alienated sometimes.
2: Um, And everything about society is designed so that you're constantly – You know, not only are we not taught to enjoy our own company, but we live in a world that tells us that doesn't even really matter because what matters is how you're doing compared to how everyone else is doing. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. And if everyone else is, you know, married with kids and having a house and, you know, a white picket fence, and what are you doing? Slogging around, Mm -hmm. doing five jobs, living in a a Mm -hmm. tiny apartment alone, doing puzzles at night
2: maxi are you talking about someone we know
1: <laughs> yeah uh yeah <laughs> but no i wouldn't like trade it for the world you know i mean i would i guess yeah. but, like. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: i mean the world is a pretty yeah, good thing no, to like, trade it for i mean it's like not
1: that great but it's like it is wonderful you know so <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> hmm. Also, a
2: good way to meet people or at least to hear people that are talking about your same things and conviction is if you can go out to conferences mm-hmm. um, or to, like, book readings or, you know, to any sort of space where someone is talking about these ideas to, like, that can be really therapeutic um, in helping you realize you're, like, not alone mm-hmm. and... Also, making sure that you're reading things that are inspiring you to keep growing. I was telling Mexi whenever, like whenever I start to pay too much attention to what people with different interests or who are really just not living the same trajectory as I am are doing, it makes me. It starts to make me feel like sad or or deviates me a little bit from like being confident in what I'm doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, for example, when I start. And and I I don't know how I feel about this. Like, I'm not saying that it shouldn't make, like, it isn't productive in a way. But whenever I look at what, like, really main, like, what's going on, for example, in the mainstream community, and I see these people with, like, millions and millions of followers, I'm over here, like, I guess, um, advocating for a very different image of veganism than they are. If I start paying too much attention to, like, what's going on in that camp, it, it makes me question, like, the importance of, like, what I actually knew to be true or what I was passionate about that very same morning Mm -hmm. or something. Mm I think it's important to redirect that energy in perhaps reading like a book by Angela Davis or something that is going to teach you a lot of stuff, but that's going to also bolster the conviction that what you're doing is meaningful and is correct. Or is Mm -hmm. like, I guess, I guess I'm trying to make the distinction between like consuming media that inspires you and that like uplifts you Mm -hmm. versus consuming media that is just, trying to do something different than what you're trying to do like there's some friends that I like start comparing myself to or something and I'm like wait why am I even doing that they're just on a different they're just doing something completely different than I am Mm -hmm. and like that's okay and that's fine but like that's clearly not what you're doing and why are you why are you applying this very selective part of their life and comparing it to yours when the rest of the big picture is completely different and Mm -hmm. there's so much of their life that you don't relate to and you wouldn't want, you know, so it's not productive to take a little tiny piece and compare it, compare it with a very tiny piece of your life and Mm -hmm. allow that to get you down.
1: Yeah, like I really only consume a very minimal number of like YouTubers or podcasts or whatever. Like I really only consume stuff that really inspires me. And like I used to consume stuff I used to consume stuff from like all the huge names in the vegan movement and slowly I just lost interest and it wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily because I was like, oh, their vision is making me depressed, but it's just, I wasn't, I was like, this is boring. Like I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. not getting much from this. You know what I mean? And then, mm-hmm. so I haven't really looked back at a lot of like what when I was doing and then when I do, like when I catch wind of it, like when I catch wind of whatever, um, Vegan washing Israel stuff um, that you talked Um, about, yeah. And the last podcast, I'm I'm just.
2: By the way, we're recording this before that podcast goes live. Yeah,
1: we're recording this early because I'm going on a trip for the next
0: two weeks, so that'll be yes.
2: Um, But yeah, but so I feel like when this episode will come out, we'll probably have caught a lot of um angry
0: reactions from that (laughs) podcast
2: so just so you know we're not responding to it in this episode perhaps we will Mm -hmm. in the next one yeah
1: but yeah anyway so i just don't consume any of that so whenever i hear some like major drama or whatever i'm always just so shocked and like i mean i shouldn't be shocked or disappointed because i'm like well obviously this is just like the mainstream kind of like froofy (laughs) like stuff that's out there another Another
2: word stuff that must not have been part of your vocabulary before no
1: um just stuff that doesn't have much substance so it's like well why would i really be surprised that they're doing things that are so problematic politically um but yeah i just i just flat out don't consume it because yeah it's not inspiring and it is kind of like just like not depressing but it's just kind of um it is depressing i mean it is just a little bit sad or just it's just like kind of vapid you know Because you're
2: like wow so many people are consuming this stuff right
1: like so many people want this vapid nothingness with zero analysis of what's going on
0: no
2: (laughs) yeah and also i think that so many people are just yeah so politically alienated and so like it always comes back to also just me being mad that people are in situations where capitalism has made them interested in this stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) by stripping out so much of the other substance in their life
1: Mm -hmm. definitely but you know we're making headway We're building communities. Yeah, I think
2: Vanguard's coming to the rescue. Yeah.
1: We're making headway on our channels, man. We're we're slowly chipping away at this behemoth. (laughs) What's a behemoth? Of the, like, mainstream crap. What's a behemoth? It's, like, a big, giant monster.
2: (laughs) I've never heard that before. I like it.
1: So, yeah, I think we're going to wind it down there, I guess. Thanks, everyone, for listening to a good, good long rant that we needed to get off of our chest. And hopefully yeah, it was... I feel um, a lot better. Yeah. And hopefully it was, um, you know, productive for you as well as being parts of these online movements. Um, so,
2: yeah. Wow. I just went on to our Patreon. And can I just say that your logo skills... <laughs>
0: Blowing
1: me away. <laughs> thank you so much. Yes, we have a new logo. I can't believe we didn't mention Woo. that. New logo. Um, yeah. finally, I we couldn't send the last logo either, just like our just like our <laughs> yeah. intro.
2: Just like our entire brand. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh,
1: <laughs> so we've worked, stepped it up. Um, and we have a number of new pledges to shout out today. So thank you so much to Darth Vapor, Sonia. Uh Casey Balmer, so thank you so much to everyone. Sorry if I mispronounced people's names, and I did not attempt to pronounce Sonia's last name because I didn't want to butcher it. but thank you to everyone for your amazing support. We actually now have the money to get marine's new mic yay yay. So <laughs> So if you'd like to support the show, please uh, sign up to be a monthly patron, uh, or you can make a one-time donation via PayPal, and both of these you can find on our website, which is veganvanguardpodcast.com, or you can rate and review us on iTunes or Google Play or whatever else you listen to us on, and share the episodes with your friends. Yeah! Help us grow this community!
0: Yay! Yay!
2: <laughs> Thank you so
1: much! Yes! Alright, so we'll see you in two weeks. We'll
0: see you in two weeks.